darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond our creation waits with an expectation we clear the reign of the Lord our God we will not be moved when the earth gives way for the risen one is overcome And for every fear There's an empty grave For the risen one is overcome Now the silence breaks In the name of Jesus As the heavens cry that the earth responds all creation shouts with a voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way, for the risen one is overcome. And for every Oh, wow. 
Amen. Amen.
love be captivating to us. No matter what valley we're in, Jesus, I pray that you're very evident where we're at. If we're on a mountaintop, God, you're there. If we're in a valley, you're there. Your demeanor never changes pursuing us. It's constant. It's fierce. It's reckless. And I pray this morning as we go forward with this service, Keep sitting next to us in our valleys and our in our highs. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for being a consistent Father. We love you so much. It's your name we pray. Amen. You guys may have a seat. Trying to decide if we should just dismiss and go home because I have to follow that. But let's give it a shot. We're talking about the Good Samaritan, the story there. 
But I want you to remember that it starts with a question at the top that the lawyer asked. How can I have harmony with God now and forever? How can I live a vibrant life? How can I live a meaningful life? How can I do something that's purposeful, that, that is great? How can I have a glorious, glorious life? Which is what that song was talking about. It was talking about finding a way to have meaning and purpose in what you do. There was actually an element in the song that said, I found my way through the darkness, and now I live in the light. If you're a follower of Jesus, that should describe who you are and how we live. And this idea that that song was celebrating life and how you would live it, that's exactly what the story of the Good Samaritan's about. It started with that big question of how in the world do I love God with everything that I am consistently? And he winds up telling this story about how to do that. So this morning, um, remembering the little previous parts, of, we've kind of gone through that story. We're going to start cherry picking some principles out of there that will help us figure out how to answer those two questions for our lives. How do we love God consistently with all that we have? And who's our neighbor? And how do those two things work together to help us figure out how to live a life that honors God? Okay, so that's where we're going. And we're going we're to take four big ideas that we found in the scriptures that act as principles for us. Okay, the first one is uh, just this simple. Beware of love rules. Beware of love rules that you have. It seems odd that you would attach the idea of rules to love, but I just want to um, tell you, based on what I see in humanity, what we do most often is we look at every situation that we can in life, we simplify it down, we develop systems, we create categories that we can then live by. And we rely on those to help us figure out what we should do or how we should do it. We don't have to think at all about what's happening. This is exactly what happens with a priest and Levite. They get to a man who's been beaten on the side of the road. And what they do is they fall back on their rules for what loving is. And all they had to do was just follow their rules, and they were fine. In their minds, everything had gone well. We create rules for all kinds of things based on the categories, and, and we do this with lots of stuff. Um, we, we create categories with people of race. We, we do this with socioeconomic status. We do this with political beliefs. If we perceive that somebody has a certain political belief, they get treated a certain way. We think about them. The church has done this with people that we identify as sinners. We look and say, oh, my, uh, not going to go there, right? And so we have these categories that operate in our minds, and we don't even think, should I do this or don't do this? We just operate based on what has always been there for us. And God can't stand that. When we operate based on categories, we don't see the individual. We never get past what's happening to the person. This is what happens in the story. They were in big groups, Jews, Samaritans. But he saw a person. And he, and he decided to do something about that. Do you want to know how badly God doesn't like these categories that we have? 
he named a Samaritan as the hero of the story. The Samaritans actually did have beliefs that were really crazy. There were things about them that Jesus would never have agreed with. But he told the story because he wanted to find a way to break down the way we deal with things, the way we look at things. And so he said, listen, I'm going to create I'm going to create a story that you have to break down the barriers to. Uh, it's fascinating. Jesus has this to say about love. Just four chapters earlier in Luke, he says this in uh, Luke 6, 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Jesus' point, and it's consistent is that when it's easy for you to love, when you're just loving based on the categories that you have people in, it's simple. But it removes, the, it removes the thing that God is looking for in your life, which is relationship. It's for you to go, I have to think about this. I have to process this. What do I do with this person, this situation? The reason we don't often relate with God is because takes energy, time. It, it takes those things that we are in short supply of. But here's the reality. If you want to love God with all of your mind, you'll have to decide to start looking past the categories that have made it simple and easy for us to operate with each other. To start seeing each other and the people in your life not as a category that you know how to easily deal with, but as a human, a, a human being that's unique and different and loved by God, and you decide to operate based on that. Loving God with all of your mind requires a relationship with you and God to figure out what am I going to do with this person. So if you're, if you're gonna take some stuff away from loving God and your neighbor, it would start with be careful of the rules that you create, even around the idea of love. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Um, there's a second uh, thing I want to get at as well, and it starts with something that all three had in common. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, all three had this in common. The scriptures made it very clear that they all saw the person who was wounded. There, there was no... Oh, man, he, was, he looked like a rock. I, my mistake. I didn't see him. I accidentally walked by him. Very clearly, they all saw him, and they all made a decision. And it's where the decision gets made is where it's interesting, because here's the thing. If we decide we're going to start crossing boundaries that we've had up of categories of people, we're going to start um, rubbing shoulders with people that we've said, oh, I'm going to keep them away from me, we still have this question of what am I supposed to do once I get there? How am I supposed to do this? And if you're not careful, you'll invent more rules. You'll invent a way of doing things that's simplified and easy that, again, removes you from the human component of this. But I, I think the story has some things that are general ideas, general principles that you can use to help you engage the way God wants you to engage so that you can be who you were always born to be, engaged in a glorious life. Here's the difference. 
In Luke chapter 10, verse 34, all see him, but the Samaritan does this. He went to him. It seems like such a small thing, right? In, in the story, in the scriptures, that trip was 10 feet. The Levite and the priest stayed 10 feet away because if they got within that, they would be unclean and they didn't want to risk that. So the trip is just 10 feet. But we all know it's not the distance that matters, right? It, it could be 10 feet. It could be 20 miles. That's not the thing that separates us. See, in the story, the reason they stayed away from that man was because they were following their holiness rules. But the Samaritan had just as many reasons to not track that 10 feet as well. Because the Samaritans and the Jews had a mutual hate for each other. It wasn't just one-sided. They both couldn't stand each other. And if he would have assumed, which he probably should have, that on that particular road, in that place, the man laying there would most likely be a Jew. And if he would have assumed that, his choice would be, I'm going to let my enemy die. But he didn't do that. In fact, he crossed the street. He moved into his life in a way that was unique. Now, um, I think there's all kinds of barriers for us for when we choose to cross a street. Um, sometimes we can't make that 10-foot journey either because it's a person at work that we don't like or it's a group of people that we don't associate with and hang out with or it's a lonely person sitting at a table and we, and we just do our thing. So we have, we have all kinds of barriers that get in the way from us actually crossing the street, just like these guys did in the story. But you know, um, what I have watched um, in our lives, in my life, is that one of the biggest barriers for me crossing the street into other people's lives, going to them, is that I'd have to break my routine. And I'm busy. I got stuff that I'm doing. I'm going, going, going all the time. And for me to stop means I'm going to break the pattern that I'm used to or that I, I've, I've really got my day planned out, all of that sort of thing. That was part of their story as well. Um, years back, Tracy and I led a small group. And uh, one of the elements that we had decided to work into that group was we, we knew we had this problem in our lives. There was a routine that we were in. We were used to seeing certain people at certain times, and you just didn't break out of that. And so we decided as a group we would start serving once, um, uh, once on a quarterly basis out in the community. And we went to homeless shelters. We did a lot of different stuff, but the one I'll remember is um, we went to a respite care home. And uh, this is a home where uh, people who have kids with physical disabilities are on 100% of the time. They're constantly caring for somebody else, and they get wore down and tired. And this home was established so that they would take the kids for a weekend. The parents could rest, reconnect with each other. It was great. And so we, we decided to go there and serve. We are just going to go uh, one time. We are just trying to break our routine. That's all we were trying to do. And we came back from that, and we were talking in the, the next time we met as a group, and I'll, I'll, I'll remember this forever. 
this lady says, listen, I don't know if we're ever going to go back there as a group, but I'm going back because something happened to me there, and I love it. I love what they're doing. I love the kids. I love the whole thing about it. And she actually organized other ladies to go back and do several things at that home while they were still in our small group. Why? Because she had crossed the street. She had found a way to break her routine and do something different. And the break in that routine allowed her to open up her eyes to go, oh my, there is stuff here that I hadn't been exposed to. And it charges up my heart. There is something important, valuable about us going to them, whoever they are. That category of people that you hold a prejudice toward, maybe you should go to them. That person that you really don't like at work or school, maybe it's time for you to cross the street. Maybe that opportunity is there for you. And so um, that, that's number two. What do you do when you cross the street? Well, you're giving God a shot at helping you love with all of your heart because you're now entering into somebody else's life in a way you never would have considered before. And it takes a heart that is listening to God to have the courage to do that, to have the courage to break the routine of your day and hear God's voice and say, I'll do this. So if you want to love God with all your heart, You'll allow him to push you into the lives of other people around you. But it wasn't, it wasn't just that he went to him. I want you to see what it says here. It says, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now here's what's fascinating. Oil and wine was considered a, um, a medicinal treatment at the time. Uh, a lot of scholars think that the wine maybe disinfected the wound and that the oil made it feel good and, and soothe it, that sort of thing. As a doctor, I can't recommend that you use that for all your ailments. Um, no, I'm not a doctor. Come on, wake up. Um, but, but this was an effort on this guy's part to say, hey, I'm going to, because now I'm close enough, I'm going to find the wound that you actually have and I'm going to treat the right wound. My, uh, my wife and I had a son that we were helping with money constantly. And we loved him, and so we did that. And a lot of times it was small things. Uh, there were a few times it was big things like, hey, I can't go back to school unless my school bill gets paid. And we wanted him to keep going back to school, so we paid that bill. And honestly... Um, it didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. And we kind of concluded, hey, I think, we're, I think we're messing with the wrong wound. Whatever the problem is, whatever the thing is, it's not being solved this way. And so we made a choice, and it was a hard one, that we would stop giving him that kind of help. We gave him some food. We didn't want him to starve. But we decided, you know what, we're, we're not going to do that. And, uh, and it had consequences. We didn't piece all of this together until later, but he would end up dropping out of school, and we didn't understand that that happened because, once again, we wouldn't give him a large chunk of money to pay a school bill. So he just said, forget it. And so now we're going, oh, my word, we, we're terrible parents, right? We're awful. What have we done? 
But still, we were convinced at the time that what we were doing wasn't helpful, and so we tried a different tact. And we said, listen, we'll pay for you to go to a Dave Ramsey class. We won't pay for all of it. You have to have some skin in the game, but we really want to recommend this. If you do this, this will be really effective for your life. And he said, no. <laughs> he said no. And what we didn't know is that he would then get on YouTube and he would start watching Dave Ramsey videos. And then he started reading articles and then he started listening to a show. And all of a sudden, this is the kind of stuff we started hearing from our son. Hey, I'm working with my budget and I'm working on getting an emergency fund started. We're like, what? Um... And, and then he was, he was talking about um, how he was aggressively paying off debt. And I'm, I'm a big sci-fi fan. And so, of course, I looked at Tracy and said, alien abduction, right? This is the, the only explanation for what's happening right here. Because we didn't know he had started those listening to that stuff. I want to tell you, when you, um, our son, like somebody that we love and we were close to, it still took a while for us to figure out the right, the right thing to treat. But when he finally got that, stuff started getting in line. And a whirlwind entered his life about a year later. And he was sitting on $5,000 in savings. And we, we were like, oh, he's going to he's gonna get torched by this. And he's like, ah, I'll have to spend a little savings, but I'll be fine. We're like, wow, that's nuts. It's not nuts. He finally figured out, this is the thing that I have to do in order to fix all this other stuff. And we could have given him all kinds of money and maybe it would have made us feel good. It might have helped us think that something good was happening, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been true. And sometimes we give out a guilt or our good feelings and it's not helpful at all. We haven't gotten close enough to figure out what really needs to be treated. This movement, this idea of treating the right thing is becoming big internationally too. There's actually a book that's been written called When Helping Hurts. And it's about the aid that the U.S. government and agencies give all around the world that ends up harming those countries far more than it helps. The intention was good. I wanted to help. I wanted to do something helpful. The harm that comes from it, devastating. If, if you don't want to read a book, if you're not a reader, you could go and watch a little movie called Poverty Incorporated that's on. It's a little documentary on Netflix right now that will give you some idea of how this works. And it's the same idea of, hey, you've got to be really wise when you go to help because if you're, not, if you're treating the wrong thing, you might feel good, but you might be missing the mark. See, this idea of understanding where the real wound is, is going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take conversations about what's going on in their life. It could take a lot of time. We're, we're not patient with any of those things. But if you want to love God with all of your soul, it will take all of that, all of your memory, all of your emotions, all of that kind of stuff that you invest in another person to finally figure out this. This is the wound. And if I give care towards this, this could start having consequences that are fantastic and amazing. What they found is if you're not careful, 
If you're not careful and you just kind of give away whatever you want to give away, it can create dependency, it can create consequences that you never saw coming that end up doing more damage to people than good. And so, this idea of entering into their lives in a meaningful way and really understanding them helps you treat the wound that's actually there. I um, love this little idea in 1 John 3.18. says this. He just gets done talking about finding a way to give resources to brothers and Christians in Christ. And he says this, or brothers and sisters. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. See, it's not just your actions that you need to bring to the table. It's acting on what's true. And often it's just easier, it's just easier to give somebody money and to feel better about that. But that might not actually be the thing that helps that person's life. Okay, there's another thing. Because he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with the medicine. He goes to him, he gives him medicine, treats the wound. But in verse 35, it says this. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. I, I love the nod to the reality of this. If you decide uh, that you want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, it's going to cost you. Somehow. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you effort in getting to know that person. There is going to be a cost that you have to pay for this. And it's why if you want to love the Lord your God with all your strength, you're going to need that strength because the cost is sometimes dear to us. It's hard to give up our time. It's hard to enter into somebody's life that you don't like with the purpose of blessing them. But that's the call on our lives is to love that person that we see who has a need, we figure out what that need is, and then we find a way to lean into that. And you need strength when it comes to leaning in. And so God takes this picture of this story and says, listen, do you understand? When you initially asked this question, do you love the Lord your God? And, and I said, hey, it's about loving your neighbor as myself, the, the expert did. And he goes, okay, if it wants to be about that, then here's how you should understand this. It's going to take everything you have to love that kind of way. It will take your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind for you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing. There's a couple things I want to note in here that I think are important. They're just general observations I've made of the text but if you, um, if you miss it, you could miss something really valuable and important. I, I think these are the big ideas. But I would tell you this. Uh, as, as a church, we actually make opportunities available for you f- 
so that you can break your routine. We have mission trips. There's three of them out there on the information center right now where you could go and you'll go somebody, go somewhere and serve someone, really serve them. How well your sleeping accommodations are, we don't care. When they serve you food, you say thank you and smile even if you hate it. We, I mean, we are there as servants. And it's an opportunity for you to get out of your routine and to do that sort of thing. And if you've been on a trip like that, you know the value of it. If you haven't, you should consider it. There's one that's going to go to West Virginia. There's one that's going to go overseas to the Dominican Republic. And there's a youth trip that you could get on too. So we value finding a way to break out of the routine and to go to people. But here's the, here's the bigger truth I want you to grab. The guy who was walking on that road who got mugged, going about his normal day life. Priests, Levite and Samaritan traveling down that road, they were going about their normal everyday life. And here's the truth. Your most important opportunities for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, will happen in your everyday activities as you go about your normal life. And God will press on you, hey, there's this person over here I'd like you to stop and talk to. I want you to enter into their life and you will have to make a choice. Will I break my routine and do that? Or will I look at them as a category of people and set them aside. And, and you'll have to make that choice. And in this story, we see how that turns out. Two of them just kept going on the normal pace of their life. They used their rules, their categories to figure everything out, and they kept hoofing it. Your opportunity, you're not, you're not gonna have to go looking for it. God will bring it to your doorstep. And the kind of life that you were always born for, that you were made to live, this glorious kind of living that God had in mind for you, it will be available right there for you if you're sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit when he prods you to respond. If not, you, you could be kept busy with the normalcy of your life for the rest of your life and miss the opportunities that God has for you. So that's one thing I would note. This is about the normalcy of life and where God finds you in that moment. Here's the other thing I kind of thought about as I read through this. I think, I think this has become a challenge to love people who are in different categories than we have right now because of the way our culture has defined love. It's made it really difficult. Uh, basically, right now, love is somebody can do anything and you love them, no matter what. Which is to say, in our culture, you accept everything that they do, no matter what. Um, that's not how God looks at love. There, there's a lot of things that people do that would make you scratch your head and go, I think that's idiotic, but I still could love this person. I, I saw this, oh my word. I saw this article in January about a lady who had bought a Christmas tree in December from Walmart 
used it for the season and brought it back. The needles had fallen off because it was dead and she returned it because it was dead and they gave her a refund. That's our world, right? I can do no wrong. Customer's always right. Love me no matter what. And, and I would just tell you, there are boundaries. There are boundaries with my kids. They do stuff that I don't like. Love is not do whatever you want and it's okay. In fact, if you look at the relationships that you have that are of value and of importance, all of those have boundaries in them. These are things that you don't do. And, the, and I hold you accountable when you choose to do those things. There's value in all of this. So when I have people come to me and say, how can I love those people? Because if I do, it'll be that I'm accepting them. I would say, you should love them. It's about your attitude. It's about who you are. And it does not equal that you think what they're doing is okay. When you say what they're doing is okay, that's what that means. Everything else is you choosing to honor God by loving. The attitude that you have, the barriers that you knock down, that's who you were always meant to be. This is who we are. This is what we were born for. Loving God with all of your hearts puts you in uncomfortable places being the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and maybe you should consider breaking your routine by going on a mission trip. But I think it could be as simple as making a prayer at the end of this service to say, listen, God, I've got a routine. I've got a busy life. I'm going, going, going. But I want to be sensitive to you for when the moment comes for me to cross the street to see the wound and to get involved in somebody's life, I want to be available for you. So let me have eyes to see. Let me have a heart that hears you and becomes sensitive to you. And that becomes enough to open up your life to the, to the way you were always, always meant to live. Let me pray with you real quick. God, you told this story to challenge us. It's a tough one. See, even in the church, we carry prejudices. We have groups of people we won't or will associate with. The patterns of our lives, the pace of our lives, cause us to have routines that keep us separate from people who you care about and love. But God, the challenge is that we are your people. And if we've made a decision to love you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our strength, all of our mind, that that means the people around us, you have a desire to use us in their lives. So I just ask that you would take the blinders off. The people that we don't see, the situations that seem too messy, 
I ask that you would give us the courage to cross the road, to find the wound, to understand that it's going to cost us, and to do it anyway because that is glorious living, living that gives us purpose and honors you. Open our eyes to the world around us. Encourage us to be who we were always meant to be. People who loved and loved our neighbor as ourselves. Go with us. Drop the scales from our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys would stand to your feet and join us in singing.
chorus again. And I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. Father, we believe in you, we believe in your Holy Spirit. And because of that, how can we not be effective to love those around us? Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would be moving in our lives, God, that you'd make our hearts soft so that when you speak, God, we're listening. When you say move, we're moving. And that it's evident that it's you, Father. Lord, this life isn't just... Uh, a mundane thing. We will rise again one day to glorify you, Father, in heaven. And for that, we ask that you give us opportunities to love those around us, to make you proud, Father. Bless us as we go out of this place, Jesus. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for coming.